The future of work and the future for workers is changing. From new technologies and talent strategies to the management of tomorrow's workforce. Tap in to Manpower Group Talent Solutions' 60 years of expertise and join us for the Transform Talent podcast, your guide to talent market trends, new technologies, and winning talent solutions. Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Transform Talent Podcast. Today we are talking about the most in-demand soft skills. So we are talking about skills such as creativity, persuasion, collaboration, adaptability, critical thinking, innovation, problem solving, leadership and emotional intelligence. Those are the skills of the future as companies around the world adopt more and more technology and automate the more routine tasks, human skills and emotional intelligence will define workers and entire organizations, especially now that more and more of us are working remotely and managing teams remotely. We're going to focus on how to close the growing skills gap, especially for Gen Zs, the generation that is expected to bear the worst impact of workplace shifts due to COVID-19. We're going to challenge you to think differently about gaming. Yeah, you heard that right, gaming. More of that in a bit. And we're going to have an incredibly inspiring conversation with Kate Griggs, founder and CEO of Made by Dyslexia, on how dyslexia could provide an opportunity for organizations to bridge the skills gap of the future. Talking about Gen Z, I'd like you to remember listening to your favorite songs from a cassette player, surfing on MySpace, sending a memo on a fax machine, and looking up a company's phone number in yellow pages. Gen Z has never done it. To determine birth years of Gen Z, researchers and popular media used the mid to late 1990s as starting birth years and the early 2010s as ending birth years. Gen Z will soon surpass millennials as the most populous generation on earth, being the first generation that has never known a world without internet, has never used a landline, and has no idea what floppy disks are. Roberta, do you know what a floppy disk is? Well, unfortunately, I do know what a floppy disk is. And I also remember the sound of the famous dial-up internet and the days when we couldn't use the phone and internet at the same time. Do you remember that? Well, unfortunately, I don't. Uh, but um, There you go. I feel like a dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, but I think we could remind our listeners how it sounded like. Ah, uh, I tripped down memory lane. <laughs> so it's not that surprising that this generation is dubbed as digital natives. As Gen Z is stepping into the world of work, companies might think and prepare not only to attract the best talent on the market, but also to nourish skills that the new generation brings to the workplace. With new skills and mindset also come new core values. According to Deloitte, Gen Z desires diverse and entrepreneur job opportunities, and they no longer form their opinion based on the quality of the company's products or services, but rather ethics, practices, and social impact. As the world of work fills with more sophisticated technology, human skills are defining workers and entire organizations. 
with prioritizing in-demand skills that the younger generation has, such as creativity, collaboration, and emotional intelligence, organizations will thrive in this new reality. The recent The Future of Jobs report that was published by the World Economic Forum in October 2020 mentioned that these social and emotional skills are the top in-demand competences in the next five years besides skills related to problem solving. Additionally, LinkedIn's learning report reveals that 57% of leaders globally say soft skills are more important than hard skills. What's interesting, employees are no longer looking at the traditional candidates. At IBM, one-third of employees in the U.S. do not have a traditional four-year degree. Some organizations are even looking for candidates with a two-year degree as they have a baseline knowledge that can be further expanded with the skills needed in the company. As a result, there is growing misalignment between labor skills and employer expectations, and we must bridge the skills gap for Gen Zs. And there's a really interesting quote that I wanted to share. It's from speaker and generations expert Ryan Jenkins, who says that the industrial revolution required muscle from its workers. The information age instead traded muscle for mental capacity, which explains the rise of knowledge workers. So the future will require and already does require workers to be emotionally intelligent. Funnily enough, all of those soft skills sought after can actually be found among gamers. So all of the frustrated parents out there who have kids gaming for endless hours in front of the PlayStation, Xbox or computers can now take a deep breath. With travel restrictions, rising unemployment, repeat and shall we say ongoing lockdowns and lengthy quarantines in place around the world, video game sales in August 2020 were up 37% year over year and gaming itself up a staggering 75%. But what's really important here is that those future job candidates gaming away the pandemic have been developing many of the in-demand skills we are talking about. Manpower Group analyzed more than 11,000 games, from action-adventure to role-playing, music, indie, to identify the top soft skills developed in each gaming category. And then we mapped gaming skills to work skills. All of the results can be found in the Game to Work report on our website. And what we have learned is that the world's 2.5 billion gamers are mastering a wide variety of in-demand skills, everything from teamwork and collaboration to critical thinking and decision-making, exactly the talent employers need to unlock a competitive advantage. At the end of the day, if you're looking for a creative collaborator with complex problem-solving skills, you might want to look for an avid Fortnite player or League of Legends champ. Yeah, those games aren't easy. I remember I used to play Tomb Raider. We are talking about the late 90s here, just to go back to the dinosaur uh, theme. And uh, I remember that it was so hard to get Lara Croft uh, to move, to go anywhere. She wouldn't climb the walls that she was supposed to climb or jump far enough. So you definitely need to be skillful to be good at gaming. So I think the lesson here is for companies to be open to, and let's call it non-traditional talent, and for candidates to share their gaming experience and highlight those transferable soft skills in their CVs. Another extremely interesting link is between those in-demand skills and dyslexia. This is because dyslexics are really good at creative, 
problem-solving and communication skills. As the strengths of dyslexic thinking matches what the jobs of the future will need, dyslexia can be an opportunity for organizations to bridge the skills gap of the future. We are here today to challenge you to think differently and help you connect the dots. And we're going to do this today with a very special guest, Kate Griggs. She's the founder and CEO of Made by Dyslexia, a global charity led by successful dyslexics, which aims to help the world understand, value, and support dyslexia. Dyslexic herself, Kate attended a pioneering school that nurtured dyslexic strengths. She was trained in dyslexia and has worked in the field for many years as a campaigner and researcher. She has spoken around the world, including a brilliant TED Talk, which is fantastic, and I would recommend everyone to, to go and watch it. So welcome, Kate. How are you? Thank you. I'm very well, thank you. Great to be with you. Oh, fantastic to have you here. So I came across something you said recently. In an era of automation where facts can be Googled and spelling can be corrected at the touch of the button, it's creativity imagination and intuition that sets us apart from machines and that's dyslexic thinking. I absolutely love this sentence and I think it really sums up why dyslexia can be an opportunity to bridge the skills gap of the future. So can you tell us what is dyslexia exactly and how can we change the misconceptions and unfortunately there are many around dyslexics? So dyslexia is literally a different way of processing information. Dyslexics think differently, quite literally. And um, with that different way of thinking comes this amazing pattern of strengths, creativity, innovation, big picture thinking. There's a whole range of very solid and real skills. But also with dyslexia comes um, some challenges within traditional education and a, certainly a lot of things that we're expected to do in, in the workforce. So dyslexics can have problems learning to read, remembering lots of information, passing exams, really. So anything that um, tests standardized skills are areas that dyslexics will struggle unless they're given the right support early to help them, in which case they, they will be able to move past those challenges. Um, and now the use of technology is removing a lot of those barriers. So it really is a case of uh, dyslexic thinking is all about strengths. And that's what we try to, we're trying to shift to help the world to understand because they're super valuable right now. And well, I, I want to mention as well that you are behind that truly provocative, uh, imaginative and culturally powerful campaign where you had that uh, dyslexic sperm bank pop up and you went around uh, asking people in the streets if they wanted to have a dyslexic child and people's reaction were, were everything. You, it, it just made you think, maybe not, not surprising, unfortunately, but it really made you, made you think so what, what, what were your thoughts from, uh, from that? Yeah, so that was our launch campaign. We're a global charity, as you said, and we're led by successful dyslexics. And we absolutely know the power of dyslexic thinking and what an amazingly vital role it will play in the future. So we also know that it's been 
deemed as a, a difficulty and it's seen by almost everybody as a challenge. So we wanted to come up with a campaign to launch the charity that would really, really shock and be provocative and um, be cheeky and everything that feeds into our brand values, which are really to get the world to focus on this once and for all and to, to try and shift perception so, so we can actually nurture the talents that these, these people have. So um, earlier in our introduction, uh, we mentioned the growing skills gap and skills that are in demand in next five years. However, we cannot forget the recent economic shift due to the pandemic. According to Manpower Group's What Workers Want report, the COVID-19 crisis is accelerating the demand for human skills as they are more important now than ever. The top three are communication, prioritization, and adaptability. And you've just mentioned the skills that the future workplace needs that dyslexics have, uh, such as innovation, creativity, and thinking outside of the box. Um, could you tell us more about these dyslexic thinking skills? Are there any other dyslexic strengths and competences that help individuals flourish in the workplace? So dyslexic thinking skills, the reason they're very, very important is because I touched on earlier, we have a sort of range of, of strengths and challenges. Um, and if you think of dyslexia as a spiky profile, where the, the difficulties and the challenges we're normally really bad at. So we're kind of right down at the bottom of, of, a, of a graph. But then the strengths we're normally really, really good at. So they're right at the top of the graph. And the reason it's important to actually really understand that is, is most people without dyslexia will be very even across their range of abilities. So they may be above average, but they'll be above average in almost all things. Or if they're below average, they probably will be slightly below average in almost all things. Whereas dyslexics have this massive disparity between what they're good at and what they're not so good at. And what dyslexics also tend to do if they really focus on their strengths is hone in and become much better at them. So they, they a lot of people refer to them as superpowers, which is you know, a nice, nice way of thinking about it. But actually the research um, that we did when we worked with EY, and I'm sure we'll touch on that a bit further later on, um, Steve Varley, the chairman of EY, um, made a fantastic comment, which was you don't employ superwoman and focus on how bad she is at, with kryptonite. And I think that's a really important point to make with dyslexic people, because we tend to be really, really good at the things we are good at. And as you just touched on then, there are the soft skills, um, but there are also skills, reasoning skills, for instance. And this is something that GCHQ tap into very much, the, the ability to um, understand very, very complex things, um, but then simplify them. So you can actually get to the, the crux of a, a problem very quickly or simplify complex things and explain them very easily and simply. And those are all things that in the age of automation, when we have so much information at our fingertips, I mean, you can literally Google anything and find the answer. It isn't so much retaining information and regurgitating it that we need people to do, whether it's in the workplace or really in education. It's actually being able to look across all of that information and to pick out what is the most important part of it and what it is we really need to get to the solution or to understand. Mm, and I think it's really important now also to, to know that those skills are relevant in remote teams 
right? It's very transferable, I would uh, assume. Um, what do you think about it? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think skills possibly are even more important in remote teams um, mm -hmm. because you really need to be looking at where your strengths are and delegating your challenges and the things you're not so good at um, more so. So when you're working remotely, having that collaboration between teams to, to actually be able to decide who is best at what and who is going to do what is really, really vital. In, in the workplace, when you're actually physically in the office, it tends to happen more naturally within within teams but when we're working remotely there is that real need to to make sure we're still collaborating in that way mm, i completely agree and um you know when we're talking about remote working remotely and you also mentioned that um, technology is advancing and workplace skills that dyslexic individuals uh, typically find challenging will largely be impacted by um, forms of automation and creating more and more jobs that match the strengths of dyslexic thinking. Uh, my question is that, you know, how great do you think are the gains to be had from harnessing neurodiverse teams, which could unlock talent to ensure we have a diverse workforce that's fit for the future, especially that aligning automation culture and new diversity could be the key for bridging the skills gap. I think neurodiversity or cognitive diversity is a term I prefer personally, because it, it's that sort of diversity of thought. Um, you know, we have diversity in every other field and we understand how important diversity is for the world and for teams. And diversity of thought is exactly the same. You know, we can't all think the same and nor should we all think the same. And I think the danger we have at the moment, particularly with our education system, but it also with the, the general recruitment process, particularly the kind of the, the initial sifting of CVs is all about you know, let's try and have some quick and easy standardized measure that, that sifts people out. And I think the danger for dyslexic people is they often lose out in that initial sifting process. I mean, if, if you look at, look at it from an educational perspective, the standardized tests that we ask kids to do are testing the things that dyslexics naturally struggle with. So if you're looking at how good a child is at creative writing, so you know you want to understand how good, good a young person is at, at writing or being able to express their ideas, if you're putting too much emphasis on spelling, punctuation and grammar, then the dyslexic kids who may have phenomenally brilliant ideas will be filtered out at the first step because they won't get the first, they won't get the grades or, or they won't actually, people won't understand how good their ideas are. And I think the same thing really is happening in a lot of um, workplace situations where we're looking at those kind of measures to see whether we're actually going to let these people onto the next level where if you look at uh, the EY report and specifically the second report that we did with EY on the value of dyslexia, there's an amazing graph in that that looks, it, it divides into four squares and um, it actually looks at the skills that um, are going to be taken over by automation, which are down in the bottom left-hand square, um, and then the skills that won't be able to be replaced by automation, and that's right in, up in the top right-hand square. And it also maps it across dyslexic thinking. And as, as I've said previously, all the things that computers are going to be taking over, all of those things, that the skills that we don't need down in that left-hand square. Um, so arguably, all of our 
challenges will now be replaced by technology, whereas all the things we're absolutely brilliant at will never be taken over. So that's we have to shift the way we think in education and how we think in the workplace to be actually attracting the thinking that is in that top right-hand corner, which is all the soft skills um, and all the things we know we really, really need. So picking up what you're mentioning about the, the education system, I know you launched the dyslexia awareness training with the aim of training every single teacher in the world to recognize dyslexia, decoded and demystified. And you're also launching the dyslexic workplace training. Can you please tell us a bit more about these and how especially the workplace training can help organizations rethink their talent strategies? Sure, sure. Yes, yeah, so we have a campaign called Connect the Spots. And we are looking at two streams of that. One is education, one is workplace. The education um, dyslexia awareness training that we actually we, we launched about um, just over a year ago, and we have had quarter of a million people through it already. But um, during Dyslexia Awareness Month, actually on World Dyslexia Day, we announced our big bold mission to get every single teacher in the world trained. It's we've worked with uh, or partnered with Microsoft, so the training is online for free on the Microsoft Educator Center takes about two hours to do. It's very, very strength focused. But in, in those two hours, every single teacher who takes it, I mean, we've had the most incredible feedback from it, but every teacher who takes it will have a really, really good idea of how to spot, support and empower dyslexic students. And the reason that we wanted to start with education is that there are one in five kids in every single classroom across the world that have exactly the skills that we know are needed for the future. So we have to start early. We have to start changing the education system's view of how these kids think and how valuable their thinking is. Um, and then that will in turn start to feed into the workforce. So we've done, or we are creating exactly the same concept, um, but for the workplace. With our education training, we worked with two of um, the world's greatest uh, or most well-known and oldest dyslexia schools. And we got their teachers to help us with advice and, and support and techniques for, to, that will empower teachers. And we're doing the same thing with the workplace training. We're working with some amazing organizations that are already doing fantastic things to find dyslexic talent in the first place, but then to nurture and support it and retain it going forward. But we're also working with some organizations that want to get it right, but aren't quite there yet, because we have in education and in the workforce, we, we do have a long way to go to really understand how we attract dyslexic people in the first place, um, and then how we actually support them through the process. So uh, we're hoping to release that. Well, it will be released at some point next year. We don't have an exact timing for it yet because our, our filming is all filmed based and that's been slightly delayed, obviously, with um, the coronavirus and not being able to physically get in to, to film with people. But we're really excited to release that. It's going to make a huge difference when it comes out. Yeah, really, really looking forward to, to it. It's very exciting and important, especially. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I also want to touch upon GCHQ that you mentioned earlier. Could you tell us a bit uh, more about it and how the connection with dyslexic strength started? And I just uh, wanted to mention how they said that thinking different isn't optional, it's mission critical. Yes, absolutely. Um, we partnered with GCHQ um, 
about uh, a year or so ago. And what's very interesting about GCHQ, if you if you look at what they what they actually have to do as an organization, they're looking into communications across the world and and listening in on on how things are being portrayed, whether it's over the internet or, or, or broadly across communications. And then they have to work out where cybercrime is, where there might be a potential terrorist threat. So their analysts are, are tapping into all of the communications that are happening. So a massive amount of information and they have to simplify that. They have to connect the spots or the dots. So they have to recognize patterns very quickly and be very agile in, in recognizing where there is a threat. So for a dyslexic person, that's absolutely fantastic because it is about seeing the big picture, looking at lots of information and being able to work out where the strands are that link together and just make those really quick decisions that that connect disparate parts to show that there is a pattern and, and there is a problem and there is a threat. So it is about that that ability to, to think differently, to be able to see things others can't. And their history with dyslexia and dyslexic thinking goes right back to Alan Turing, the, the famous code breaker who made the, the code breaker machine in World War II. And, and it goes right the way back to that because um, he, he was dyslexic, um, as was portrayed in, in the film, the amazing film that was made about him. So, yeah, they, they have for a very, very long time recognised that they need people who think differently. And they put in recruitment processes and all sorts of amazing support for dyslexic people. That's, that's wonderful and makes me think uh, about these movies, you know, where you where you have to exactly decode things and just think outside of the box, really. So it's a beautiful story and great to see organizations stepping up as well. It's interesting because actually if you look at MI5, MI6, um, any of the American intelligence agencies, there are a vast number of dyslexic people um, who are, are there, whether it's spies or agents or whatever, who are there making these connections, solving these crimes. Um, and many of them we'll never hear about because they can't yeah. tell us who they are. But I, we went and filmed at GCHQ and um, I met a lot of, of these incredible people and there really is just this such a strong pattern of how we think that is so exciting and so um, powerful and important. And it, it is really important that we get the world to understand that. Yeah, absolutely. So I know you are always working on, on a campaign and while you're planning one, you're already thinking ahead and planning the next one. So what's coming up from Made by Dyslexia in the next few months for 2021 as well? What, what are you planning well, we've got lots planned. We've got lots planned. We've got, well, sadly, we usually have a global summit, which brings together um, amazing speakers and um, it's open to the public. And we, last year, we held it at the Science Museum in London and it was a really, really exciting event. Um, we had lots of those planned um, in 2020 and 2021 but obviously that is slightly had to be put on a back burner but we have some incredible ideas of having those events and that interaction and that content but doing it virtually so um, expect lots of exciting things happening on that and in actual fact it is going to open up our audience and, and make our reach much greater so there are some huge benefits that have come from that we have another campaign that we're working on which will be coming out at the same time as we're launching a lot of these big content ideas so 
um, yeah, masses and masses coming up over the next few months. Our Dyslexia Awareness Month has been really focusing on getting teachers trained, and we've had just the most incredible response from that and some fantastically exciting announcements that will be coming from that just on who's picked it up and who's running with it and, and how we are literally going to make sure it reaches every single school. That's great. And I have seen it. It was all around uh, the internet, Twitter, LinkedIn. And so it's a lovely initiative and really powerful. So I would like to close this interview with some words of encouragement from your side. One of the biggest problems is that many employees hide dyslexia in the workplace, especially because of this misconception that we talked about at the beginning or, and they just don't want to be discriminated against. So what would you say to especially the younger generations who are entering the workforce and are finding challenging? What would you say is the best approach and mindset to have? So we always say um, that you should talk about your dyslexia. I think that one of the biggest issues is that when you look at a, a recruitment form there's a, a, a box that you have you can tick over whether or not you have a disability and dyslexia comes in that box and we can leave it in that box if we really need to but actually we believe that dyslexia should be seen as a skill and that's exactly what our ey reports are actually saying it isn't really about the diversity and the inclusion or the disability space this actually should be viewed as a skill because dyslexic thinking without a shadow of doubt maps directly across the skills for the future as mapped out by the World Economic Forum. So I think one of the reasons that we are spending such a lot of time of our time trying to change perception and get people to think differently about dyslexia is for that very fact. We should be proudly putting it in as a skill, we should be putting it on our LinkedIn profiles. We should be encouraging everybody to be open about it because it's what you're good at that will actually take you far in life. And the things that you do struggle with, you should be able to ask for help and, and get technology or somebody to support you with that so you can focus on your strengths. And also important to, to mention what we, we covered at the beginning, that skills like, such as leadership, emotional intelligence are the key skills to succeed. And I've been doing a lot of research and uh, also talking to you in, in the previous months, I found out that there's really a lot of great minds today and in the past that were dyslexics. So we are looking at, for example, Richard Branson, Walt Disney, John Lennon, Leonardo da Vinci, Albert Einstein, Steve Jobs, and, you know, it's, it's, it's very, very inspiring. And it, they had those skills that, you know, lead you to succeed. And for those curious minds out there, I was curious myself to understand how could you tell that Leonardo da Vinci was dyslexic because, you know, he cannot talk now. And it was mainly because of his use of mirror writing, uh, spelling, of course, as well, but as well, his incredible accuracy in his drawings. So that's uh, it's very inspiring, and it's uh, it's great to see what's um, what's out there. Yeah, I think so. I think with with some of the um, very posthumous uh, claims of dyslexia, I think you're absolutely right, Roberta. They've looked at how they spell or or how they write things or, or 
you know, their, their mirror um, writing and all the things you've just mentioned. But there are so many incredible dyslexic people out there today in all sorts of walks of life that are just achieving fantastic things. And I think it's really important for those people to come forward and start talking about their dyslexia. And that's one of the big campaigns that we're going to be working on over the next few months to really highlight some of the just in, people in incredible organizations and places and careers that are just changing our world for the better and they may not be famous but they're doing incredible things with their dyslexic thinking yeah absolutely so before letting you go we've started this podcast where we ask this one question to all our speakers so we're going to ask it to you as well if you were taken to a deserted island what were the three things you would bring it's a bit like desert island discs <laughs> What would I bring? Um, uh, uh, can I have my iPhone? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you have electricity. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Um, I think I'd take my Border Terrier, um, my iPhone, um, and oh, I don't know, I can't think of a third thing. Well, I should say my husband, really, shouldn't I? But um, yeah, I can't think of a third thing particularly. I think, um, I think yeah, my, my, my iPhone and, and my Border Terrier, and I'd be fine, and my husband too, if I could take him. <laughs> Oh, that's perfect. Wonderful answer. Well, okay. Thank you so much. This has been really, really inspiring. And we hope that it has, you know, made our listeners also think differently about uh, dyslexia and, uh, and the world of work as well. So thank you so much. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you for joining our second episode of the Transform Talent Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, don't forget to subscribe in your favorite podcast listening app and leave us a review. See you at the next episode. The Transform Talent Podcast, because we know the right talent transforms organizations and helps your business flourish. Talent solutions, business and talent aligned.